I was Pastor Mike Benson, and when I was a student at Mid-America, he came and did multiple revival services with a group from Olivet and a singing group, and uh, I think I told somebody already, he was, he's a fantastic preacher, fantastic preacher, so I hope that you're lowering your expectations right now. <clears throat> uh, but Mike was a fantastic um, man and led an integral part. Let me get this out because I'm going to use it later. We're not talking about the world. Um, minimal, just a minimal, oh, the wheel fell off. That's probably true about the rest of this message too. So, so just hold on, all right? It's a historical day in the life of our church, and in the beginning, we're just going to give it a little rundown, and we're going to talk about, so buckle up. I know we planned on it being a long service, and kids, I'm sorry. Uh, parents, I'm even more sorry. <coughs> Excuse me. Reverend Roy Ball, in 1921, had a vision to begin a Nazarene church in Emporia, Kansas. The Nazarene Church was formed in 1908, so this is uh, just a few, just about a decade or so after that. And through his obedience to God's will, Reverend Ball saw the birth of a small church, the, a church that continued to grow and to prosper under his leadership. And on January 1st, 1924, the Emporia Church of the Nazarene was officially organized with 30 charter members. And it met in the Messiah Lutheran Church at the time, located on South Avenue in Constitution. In the early days, the young church met at the Seventh-day Advent Church, which is actually just across the street from the property they bought right now, and uh, until they could find a vacant property to build their own building, which was purchased at Second and Constitution. And after the purchase, Reverend Crawford, at the time, held a tent revival that lasted two weeks, a tent revival right there on the property with no, uh, no uh, building or anything. And it was during that revival, God moved in the heart of a widow with three boys, her name, uh, and, and she, she talked, uh, God was talking to her about sacrificial giving. And her name was Miss Etta Marcellus Place. She's one of the charter members of this church, and the only one at that time who owned a property. And so she was led to mortgage her home and gave the proceeds to the church, and from there, they purchased an old Quaker church building. And the, the, that building was torn down board by board and relocated to the church property on 2nd and Constitution. You see that in the picture right here. Yeah, and um, there's some other pictures floating around. It looks pretty much the same, except in color now. So uh, after it was relocated, God's uh, just uh, obedience to God's will resulted in his blessings as the small church in the heart of Emporia began to grow. The original church building was not what we might expect today, and you are extremely thankful for that. I guarantee it, because first of all, the proximity of the church is about from me to the back of the sanctuary uh, from the railroad tracks. And so every time a train would go by, they would just have to stop and wait until it went by because it was so noisy. Uh, they had uh, no indoor plumbing, so no indoor restrooms, Ooh. which is probably what they did during the train going by. They left, to, and um, 
there was no heating stove. It was just a building. There was no air conditioning. Well, there was. It was the handheld fans that were placed in the pews every week, and I'm sure that those were used vigorously. Um, but Emporia Nazarene Church stayed anchored in this location for nearly 30 years. Then it was time for a new home. Entering the 1950s, the property at Second and Constitution with the church building there was sold. And um, during the interim, the, Congre- the, the uh, Emporia First Church met at the Congregational Church on Second and Merchant. They just rented that out. And in 1953, a new building was constructed on Seventh and Arundel which is right now just up the street from Freddy's, if you need a little bit of of orientation there. And over the course of the next 20 years at 7th and Arundel, this is the second first church of the Nazarene right here, if you will. And uh, over the course of that 20 years, they built a permanent sanctuary, uh, adjacent fellowship hall with extra Sunday school rooms, and it was used in a great way. And in this location, of God, God again, this church grew and God continued his faithfulness to bless the Nazarene church in Emporia and through its, all of its ministries. Well, after 20, just 20 short years, 20 years in the life of a 100-year church is really not that much. But then the, the leadership in the church decided, we're going to become a country church. We're going we're gonna to move. And in 1973, the faithful followers at EFC led, uh, were led to a new location here at 24th and Industrial. Now think about in 1953, what was around here? Not a whole lot, right? Only a water tower and a handful of houses out here on the countryside. Um, that, that was the only thing that was around this property, and it seemed to be way out of town. And I'm sure there's a few pictures where you can see it pointed back towards the south and the, and the east. And it looked like civilization was a way away. So um, God knew that this place in just a short time, this location, would become an integral focal point for the community. And people and businesses and uh, everything began to move in this direction too. And in 1987, uh, after many years of ministry and and growth, um, a large activity center was built to serve as an all-purpose or multi-use building. Um, And just like the original property in 1924, the new activity centers was made possible by the faithful generosity of his followers. Hallie Beeth passed away. When she did, she left a generous legacy gift to the church, which helped seed the construction to the Potter Beef uh, Activity Center. The Potters, uh, they were integral in helping the church dream and plan for this facility. And while Mr. Potter passed away, he was not able to see the, the finished product. Construction of the Potter Beef Center began in 1986, and it was dedicated on November 22nd, 1987. And it officially became this incredible tool of ministry that has been used so in numerous times in ministry. And just as an aside, when you go over to lunch today, there's a few tables set up with a lot of historical stuff. You'll be able to see the, the dedication um, program from the building at 7th and Arundel in 1953 and some of the things, some pictures, all great stuff. So be sure and check that out while we're eating and waiting to eat and visiting. God is still alive here in Emporia. 
And we see him moving. Over the past three decades, we just kind of skip over. It's kind of like Jesus' life. He went from 12 to 30 and like, what happened? Right? But in the last three decades, Emporia First Church has seen God move in powerful ways through many different ministries. The Potter Beef Center, for example, countless banquets, right? Years of upward basketball games and youth, uh, for the youth, pickup basketball games, team practices, more potlucks than you can imagine. That's happened since I've been here. Amen. Um, God, the, we've had women's ministry craft nights and quilting sessions. It shared hospitality to the morning through funeral dinners. We've had graduation parties, fundraising uh, uh, events, angel food distri- distribution, VBS activities, district quiz meals, much more than we can mention. It's just a long list. Here in this building, right here at, in the main building, it's experienced a lot of makeovers. It looks different. It's significantly different than it did even three or four years ago when I arrived. But there have been, there's been some incredibly talented musicians share right here on this platform. You've heard some brilliant preaching, although not in the last four years. But I'm getting better, I hope. More Bible studies than you can count, right? Sunday school gatherings, kids' worship gatherings, years of live nativity productions, VBS, kids' quizzes, um, numerous lives committed to following and serving Jesus, countless baptisms, and again, way too many things happen in this, in this physical church building for us to really mention. Even though yeah, we even survived this pandemic thing, so that worked out good. It started on the, cu- on the heels of a pandemic, and we uh, made it through the last one, so that's good. But through, through it all, a hundred years, God's been leading. There, there have been faithful followers seeking the will of God over and over again. God has been leading. There have been difficult trials and hardships and finances and, and uh, the depression and wars and all the things that, that, that pile up in our life. But through it all, God has been leading. I can't get out of my head how Anna Marcella's place um, the gift that she gave, the mortgage her house, and really just four years later, the, the bottom drops out and the Great Depression begins and how that affected a widow with three kids. But God was leading. There's been, a massive, there's been massive answers to prayer. We've had huge sacrifices, generous giving, consistent giving, faithful service, sincere Love has been shared, and through it all, God has been leading. There have been people surrender their lives to Jesus, which is the goal. That's our mission. We're called to go and make disciples, and to do that, we want to lead others into a grace-filled relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. That's why we're here today. We've had 21 different pastors that have been called to this pulpit over the last hundred years. There have been numerous associate staff members, hundreds of thousands of hours volunteered to serve in the church. There have been so many lives that have been introduced to the gospel, and the whole time, God has been leading, and he's been looking forward at Emporia First Church of the Nazarene. It's quite a history. It packed into a few minutes Honestly, if you look at the scope of the ministry at Emporia First Church, 
It's really just what we've mentioned so far is just a drop in the bucket. But through it all, God's people here in Emporia, through the eyes of God, have been looking forward. And they're seeking God's will for what's next. Amen? That's what we are doing today. We're seeking what God would like us to do. We're always looking forward. And those people in the past, they had their eyes up for 100 years. And guess what? The whole, every time that something came up, God delivered them. There, there's been something, um, there's something to think about the work of God. There's something to say about it. There, there's just something about how God works in us and through us. And God's word and the work of God is timeless. And it's timely. It's always when there, it's always there when we need it. It's always there before we know we need it. And God's word is always at work and has always been looking forward. He's been opening doors since the beginning of time. So what happens when God's people are strong and courageous, right? right? They walk through these open doors. They're always looking forward with the idea that we want to move forward in everything that we do. So um, we are we're always trying to uh, find different ways to uh, express that. So starting in the book of Genesis, God was opening doors. God, from the time Adam and Eve allowed sin to enter the world, God had been looking forward. There was a lot of things that had to happen in order for that to be rectified. But God was always looking forward. He was always working in the lives of his people who were seeking to follow him, and even a few that were surprised that God was choosing to use them in, in, in his kingdom. So those open doors led to a journey that became this incredible victory over sin and death. And God was looking forward through it all. Let me show you how. This is my uh, hieroglyphics up here, all right? And I know it's hard to see, so I think we have it for the screen as well. It'll probably be hard to see up there too. The last time I tried to do this, I did it while I was speaking, and it was a train wreck. So we're just going to walk through it. God makes a promise to Abraham. He's 100 years old. You're going to be the father of many nations. But he was always looking forward, and Abraham wasn't able to see that just yet. And so he had, there, there was this promise that he was going to make him the father of many nations, and that started with Isaac. And then, in, then moved on to Jacob. And Jacob ends up with 12 sons, right? They become this nation called Israel. Because after Jacob wrestles with God, God changed his name to Israel. We have the 12 tribes of Israel. And one of those sons, he had kind of a weird journey, right? Joseph had this very up and down life, uh, starting from the very beginning. Remember Joseph, the Technicolor dream coat guy? He got a code from his dad, and he was favored by his dad. He was his favorite son. I'm my parents' favorite son, um, and I, so I can relate, right? But I was never sold to uh, people um, to be a slave, and his brothers threw him in a hole. They sold him to the Ishmaelites, who were actually ancestors of his great-grandpa, right? A Abraham, the Ishmaelites. Uh, when Abraham took things into his own hands, he, that, here comes Ishmael. And so... Um, over that journey, God saves his people because Joseph ends up the, the vice pharaoh of all of Egypt, and he saves his family from a famine. 
Well, that Pharaoh died, and Joseph dies, and 400 years turn into slavery of God's people. But he raises up, and he grabs Moses' attention, right, with this burning bush. You like my burning bush? That's a good one right there. He grabs his attention, and Moses is like, me? Who am I, right? I can't do this. But God pulled the leadership out of him. And it was all God looking forward to getting his people where they needed to go. And they go through, and they, 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 Israel, uh, after the ten plagues are completed, Pharaoh lets his people go, and Israel heads out, and the, they go through the Red Sea, completely dry, and then they head right into, they go straight to the promised land, right? Straight to the promised land. You can see their path. It was a 12-day trip that took 40 years or so. Because God had, had this plan, and he, they, they had to know, the Israelites had to know that they needed to follow God because God was always looking forward. Well, Israel, they weren't. They liked what they had. We, we wish we were still slaves, right? They complained like crazy, but nevertheless. And then we had this passing of the torch from, from Moses to Joshua, and Joshua leads the Israelites into the land that God had promised to Abraham 500-some years later, earlier. It took some time, but God was always looking forward. And from there, the judges took over, and they ruled over Israel, but then Israel got antsy, and everybody else had a king. We want a king. God, give us a king. So Saul becomes the first king. And not too shortly after, this might talked about Saul's leadership, not too shortly after, God anoints David as the next king in waiting. Well, then we have David and Goliath. He defeats Goliath and then the armies of, of the Philistines, and they have a little turmoil in life, but he becomes the king eventually. Then he has a son named Solomon. Solomon builds the temple, the place where God is going to rest right there. Well, not too far, too long after Solomon, there's this split. The kingdom splits. They have a north and a south kingdom, and, and one kingdom lasts about 250 years without God's direction, and it was carried off to Assyria, and it never came back. Poof. That's what the poof is. All right. And then, then the, other, the other kingdom lasted about 390 years, and guess what? Captivity happens again. Nebuchadnezzar takes them into uh, as slaves, and for 52 years, the Israelites were in captivity until Nehemiah has this vision, because he's looking forward, right? Nehemiah has this vision that God is going to use him, and he goes back to Jerusalem and rebuilds the walls in 52 days. All those doors, one God, always looking forward. From that point, Jerusalem was restored, and then there was just 400 years of shh. People just lived their lives. They still prayed. They still gave. They still gathered. They still read God's word, the law and the prophets of what they had, and it was all compiled until after 400 years, the first Christmas happens. And behold, I bring you great news of, great, of glad tidings, right? And the people of God were introduced to God in a body. And during this time on earth, Jesus leads. He leads from the front. And, and he's, he has this impact and influence that changes lives for eternity. He heals the sick. He feeds the hungry. He listened to those people that had problems. 
He rearranged the way that faith was lived out, all while living a sinless, perfect life. And then, looking forward, once again, this cap to Jesus' journey, he lived this full life of sin, and he's then arrested, and he's tortured, and he's nailed to a cross, and he willfully died for my sins and for yours, and for all the sins in the past, and for all the sins that will happen in the future, that sacrifice that Jesus willfully laid down to die was for you. Three days later, one more door was opened. God was still looking forward, and this time it was the tomb that uh, Jesus walked out of. And he walked out as the king of kings and the victor over death in hell, and he, um, he reigns now forever. And he ascends into heaven. From there, things kind of speed up, okay? God, Jesus came and fulfilled his purpose, and now it's somebody else's turn to help lead and help look forward. Well, we look forward 50 days later to the Holy Spirit coming on the day of Pentecost and inhabiting his people and the work in and through Jesus' followers from that day the daily, <clears throat> excuse me, the daily surrendered to him. They, they changed the world. They looked forward to the disciples that he taught. They took the name of Jesus everywhere, to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, to the uttermost, the out there's, everywhere, the whole earth. And God was looking forward to chosen, his chosen followers to record Jesus' life, his event, the life events that he shared, his teachings. And then they compiled all of that with the law that Moses wrote and all the prophets and the writings that they shared and um, the things that David wrote down. And they compiled it all together. It took a few hundred years for that to happen. But that's how we have what we know as the Bible today. And from that point... <clears throat> excuse me, after Jesus ascended into heaven and the Holy Spirit comes, 21 centuries of looking forward. Looking forward to uh, 21 centuries of war and trials and pandemics and crusades in his name that were terrible. Famines, victories, innumerous un, un, victories commitment and surrender from his people, looking forward to today, looking forward to celebrating a hundred years of open doors and looking forward and God moving in the hearts and the lives of people in Emporia, Kansas. So where do we go from here on day one of the next hundred years? I'm not sure. Hopefully, we'll figure it out. Let's eat. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Moses, right? Moses, he's the heart of this transition time. And Moses, he, towards the close of his calling to lead the Israelites, he has some words of encouragement for you today, for me, for all those that have some stick to it. Because Moses, he knew that the work of God was far from over. He was looking forward too, right? Obviously, because they hadn't entered the promised land at this point, um, they knew, right, that, that it, there was 500 years waiting for this promise to be fulfilled. Moses knew that there would also need to be someone to pass the torch to, a new leader, 
And that's where we enter. It's because in Moses' case, Moses, he'd been disobedient. He didn't get to go into the promised land. Yes, God's chosen people, they screw up sometimes, right? Don't we all? But God shows a new leader to finish this journey into the promised land. And during this time, there had to be some movement, right? People needed to learn, oh, we're not following Moses anymore. We're not listening to him. We're listening to him to Joshua. And so Moses was looking forward, and he uh, claims this blessing that God has for us. You can find it in the book of Deuteronomy, which is at the front of the book, if you're looking for it. It's in the front of your Bible, Deuteronomy chapter 31. And it'll be on the screen, I'm sure, because Geraldo has worked his magic all week to make these things happen. So in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 31, and if he didn't, that's, that's me just saying that. It's not his fault. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. This is Moses telling the whole nation of Israel what's going on. He will never, this is God who's never left. He's been with you the entire time. Not just the 40 years that they spent in the wilderness, but the 400 years that they spent in, in slavery. And he says, then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him, in the presence of all of Israel, be strong and courageous, for you must go with these people into the land the Lord swore to their ancestors and to give to them. And you must divide it among them as an inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you. He's looking forward. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Not to, do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. So briefly, and I think you're thinking hopefully it's really brief. Briefly, here is what this looks like. This little passage and, and this passing of the torch, the God looking forward. This is what this looks like on day one of the next hundred years. The first thing is this. God is more concerned with our tomorrow than he is with yesterday. God goes before you. That's what Moses said. The Lord goes before you. He's already looking forward in your life and in mine and in the life of this church. He's already looking forward. He's already making a way in front of you. We call it provenient grace in our denomination, but he's, just, he's out there going in front of you. He's already making a way. Moses didn't say, God goes behind you and changes all the things that you messed up. That's not possible. Amen? You live through that. You work through that. God is always looking forward. So Moses didn't say, He'll, you got you to gotta just get it just right and then, right? Because what's behind us, the things that we've done at its core, it's irrelevant to our future. Because our past, now our past can be beneficial, right? We can look back and see God's hand moving and leading. We can see, we can learn from the things that we messed up, right? But God does not change our past. He goes before you, and he works in your future. Because he's seeking us. He craves a relationship with you. That's why he does it. And that's why we don't build relationships last Tuesday. We don't do that. We don't go back and say, oh, well, if I had the chance, I would have met with so-and-so and we would have got to. No, we look forward. 
We schedule new things. We go, we go in the future. We don't ever schedule things in the past. So God is not always concerned. He's not deeply concerned with our yesterday. He's way more concerned about looking forward into our tomorrow. Second thing is this. Our strength and our courage that Moses was talking about is rooted in God's presence, him being with us. Do not be afraid. That's what he says. That's in the Bible a lot, about 365 times, if I'm not mistaken. At the core of our strength and our courage comes from being in the presence of God. And the best part is, he's always there, right? That's what the day of Pentecost was all about. The, the Holy Spirit is here. He's with you all the time. And he does not forsake us. Moses told them that multiple times. He won't leave you. He doesn't fail. You know of anyone in your life that you can say that about? Anybody in your life that's never failed you? No. But God is that person. He doesn't fail you. He doesn't ever leave. And for the past hundred years, God has always been present in the lives of people at Emporia First Church. So he's also been present for the last two months, in the last two weeks, and for the last hour and a half, right? He's looking forward to being in our lives and being the source of our strength and the courage as we carry his name to the world. Lastly, there's always a need to be another leader ready to go. Somebody else needs to be ready to take on what's next. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, who ends up in Egypt. Moses comes along. God's looking forward. Then there's the Joshua thing, and Jericho falls, and we do all these different things. David, Solomon, the whole thing. There's this whole line of the next person, right? There's, there's, there's been Roy Ball and Reverend Aaron Hulse in O.W.U. Delhi and Joe Bean and Norman Rickey and Mike Benson and John Philippi, Mark Henson, there's always going to be somebody else. That's what has to happen. Another leader going forward. God's always been looking forward. While I know these pastors were strong and faithful leaders, okay? Because you don't stick around for a century without good leadership, right? But it takes more than just a pastor. Nobody said amen. Shoot. For every pastor that has stood behind this pulpit, in front of this congregation, there's been lay person after lay person that have given and given. There's been song leaders and worship, worship leaders, the nursery workers, board members, office administrators, Sunday school teachers, associate staff members, faithful givers, faithful servants. And every one of them, whether they knew it or not, were looking forward. That's whose shoulders we stand on today as a hundred-year-old church. And every one of them were always like they were extending grace to a world that needs Jesus. They were showing love to anyone they could encounter. And they were serving others for the mere purpose of seeing them first, hoping that they would become they would come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. We're all called to go and make disciples. 
And that's not just for the pastor. It's for all Jesus followers. It takes everyone. And if we're going to continue to grow, and this is going to go another 100 years, it takes everyone in a, within a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, loving like he would and sharing like he would and fall, looking forward like God always has. Because <clears throat> God is always looking forward. Those that have gone before us, looking forward. Now, it's our turn. The Apostle Paul, he wrote, to begin this good work in people. It's our job. Not just to begin it and say, okay, here you go. Here's the gospel. I'm going to go sit over there. No, see it through to the end of completion, right? Because God, who's going before us, we don't have to worry. We, don't, we need to be strong and courageous with this gospel of Jesus Christ because God has already gone before us. He's done all the work. We know the end of the story. We just have to share it with everybody. And he's, lead, he's leading us, and he will never, ever forsake us. He won't leave us alone. Today's a great day it, for the faithfulness of our God, because that's what this is about. That's why we're here today. It's been wonderful being able to celebrate those who have gone before us. But now, now we look forward. So in the next hundred years, people we'll be able to see God's faithfulness through our lives because we were looking forward. Let's all pray together. Heavenly Father, we love you, and we cannot thank you enough for your presence in our lives, how you've looked forward to this day. You saw this happening on, July, on January 1st, 1924. You saw this happening because you knew that you would be faithful. And Father, we're so, th we're, we're so grateful for the people that have gone before us, that have made this possible. But Lord, we are more grateful for your son, Jesus Christ, who was looking forward from the day that sin entered the world, who came and gave his life for us to accept this, to be a, this sacrifice so that we could be with you someday. We cannot be grateful enough, dear God, and we're so, uh, we're so impressed by your, your grace that you extend to us every day. Help us to be those people. Help us to be bold and strong and courageous, just like Moses said way back in Genesis, in Deuteronomy, in Leviticus, all the way through the law. Be strong and courageous because you are with us. You've gone before us, and you've made our job easy. We just need to share your gospel.